0: Welcome into the Metro Detroit Golfers podcast, powered by Hall Financial, Sully and Bogey, uh with you here and uh A Bogey
1: and Sully, right? You oh, like yeah.
0: you like your name to go first. Huh? See, but <laughs> if I say it first, then it seems like I do want it to go first, <laughs> right. you know? But there's no ego here. You know, right. there there's none of that going on. We're just here to have some fun and play some golf. And Sully, we have been graced with unbelievable weather here in mid October. I oh, know yeah. I played, I think four straight days this past weekend. I know you were playing in an outing. You also played uh, on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. It's just, it's an unbelievable time of year to just sneak in a few more rounds before yeah. we finally get hit with snow.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And I do think that a lot of people have been playing a lot of golf. And I think that there are certain people who do just kind of check out and put the clubs away. and And it's a little different this year because we have had really nice weather. And I also think, though, that this year's different from an outing perspective where, a lot of these outings because of COVID that were spring, early part of summer got canceled and then rescheduled for in the fall. So I think there's been more outings than usual this time of year. And and obviously, you know, there's a ton of Annual outings coming up in terms of the tough man events, the uh, chilly open type things when it's cold. Have you ever I, played
0: in one of those? Like I in have. A frozen tundra, and, and, and you know.
1: I actually have. I have an outing coming up on November first, and I'm playing in. up at Boulder Point. They do their, their no pin open up there.
0: And, oh, I've heard about that.
1: And which yeah, which I've, I've never played in that. And apparently, it's really fun. And that is one where I wonder how the weather will be because that's 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 actually one of those events where apparently you. It's a scramble but there's no pins and there's like several different golf holes on each green so you have to just hit it up there and and uh and, and you figure out where the hole is after
0: that you know what's funny about that us amateur golfers or amateur I guess depending on which way you say it uh you know as a golfer we should be doing that anyway yeah, we should never go pin seeking.
1: But that, yeah, that's the thing where it's okay. Well, if it's like this, then you go to the left side of the green. You go to the right side <laughs> yeah. of the green. It's like okay, I'm not. We're, we're not that good where we can just place it, you know, on, on that side of the green. Well, uh, there's some Speak people for yourself. are. Yeah, well. right. <laughs> some people are. But um, no, that is, that's and that's honestly like what T.J. Lang was telling us too. How hilarious it is when you are playing in a golf outing and there's always this comment that gets made to the first person who tees off. Hey, just put one right down the middle so then all of us can go
0: after it. Hey, like fifty stock, yeah. put it out there. If
1: we could all just put middle of the fairway like that every single time, then I think we'd be a lot better players too.
0: I love that. You just get one in the fairway and then everyone just, at least for me, throws their back oh, out the, trying fast. to just bomb yeah. the golf ball.
1: That's the best. I, I love nothing more than being able to go uh, I never really go last because I'm not that long of a hitter. I mean, I can get after it, but I love when someone goes first. I'll never go first either. I mean, right in the middle in terms yeah. of off the tee. Put, 100%. Putty, yeah. I'll, putty I'll always go last. Oh, but, yeah. but off the tee first, if someone puts a good one out there, middle of the fairway, I will just absolutely try and <laughs> unload on that ball. No better feeling.
0: It's the same thing when you have the approach shot too, you know. So please, just put one on the green, you know, right there <laughs> no. in the center of the green, and then I'm going to go and attack this pin, okay? As if, <laughs> if you are going to stuff it to like two feet or and something then, like that. Well, and
1: then on the green, what is it? Hey, the first person just go right at the cup, and then just show everyone else for the Give line. Give us a is line. Essentially, <laughs> telling the first person you have no chance of making it. Just put it right at the hole, so the three of us can have a chance at making it. That's the typical scramble. Uh,
0: language. There's just so much disappointment that goes into a scramble because there will be, you know, shots where you'll be pin high, you know, maybe 15 feet from the pin. You're going, oh, man. It just leaked right on me. You know, I, ca- I know. I can't believe that it didn't stay on the pin. Well, I-
1: in order to win these scrambles, you have to be... Look, we know that cheating goes on during these scrambles, of course. But you have to basically come in generally around 15, 17 under to have a chance to win. It's so absurd. Yeah, you better be attacking every pin. You better be, be tapping in for birdie. You better be eagling par fives. If you want to truly have a chance to win one of these scrambles, that just seems to be how it goes. Plus... With, with what else? Mulligans, firemen's rope, people cheating to begin with, you know? So, so that's what I always try to kind of evaluate when I go to these outings. If it's a charity thing, then okay. That, you know, no one should be taking it uh, that seriously where they're complaining or where they're, uh, if there's not big money involved, fine. But you just kind of have to admit that even at these charity outings, people are going to cheat. And that's, 100%. That, that doesn't make it right at all,
0: but you just know that it goes on. Well, and you know why it is. We can't help ourselves. Right. We're, we're sick freaks. I, I mean, we love competition. We want to win. We, hell, we have a, a, a trophy here in our office where we're recording this podcast for finishing a controversial second place oh at an God. outing, uh, I believe, back I've in August. I've been second
1: place so many times at outings <laughs> this year. It's ridiculous.
0: But, but even so, we still have this stupid trophy here, you know, because we felt like we should have won, even though it was a weird tiebreaker. I know. That, uh, you know, I still think needs to be overturned. But maybe we can have that conversation at a later date. What do you, you want to win.
1: What do you think the biggest ways a team cheats in a golf scramble is? Is it blatantly lying about the score?
0: No, I think it's you, you take Mulligan's. I, th- I think that's really what it is. I think
1: I think it's mulligans. I think it's it's gimmies a lot of the time. I think that if that if
0: a team, but here's the thing though, a lot I'm of not these- going to sweat a two footer if you're like I'm not even going to. No, it's good. Uh, you know? well, that one, is one of the four people is going to hit. But
1: that. a lot of these teams, a lot of these scrambles do have the rule now of two putt max. So if you're on, you know, you you just you're good. Your next True. one's good. So I think that a lot of people play that way in a lot of outings where they'll putt maybe you're 20 feet and then you you leave yourself maybe the closest guy is a four or five footer downhill that you just don't putt. I think that happens a lot. Um, I think that Another one that happens a lot is people just blatantly improving their lives, where if you're in the sand, technically you're supposed to hit from the sand, but, oh, no, I get a club length, so I'm just going to push it out to the rough.
0: You're in the fescue. Oh, club length, I'm putting it in the rough. (laughs) Yeah,
1: one club length turns into, you know, two golf cart lengths
0: or something. Or uh, you have tree trouble or something. And a couple of club lengths, let's give us a shot at the green. (laughs)
1: Well, and I I think that the the free rolls happen a ton at Scrambles. See, where do you
0: stand on that?
1: Uh, I, I think that that you're being naive if if people don't think that that happens of a ton. Of And what I mean by free rolls is if <laughs> if if you have four people hitting and three people hit the green. What happens inevitably is two people that are further away walk up there and they just kind of tap the ball at the hole and if the if the ball goes in, hey, that was our putt. that that counts. Yeah, you I think that I've I think that happens a ton at, at scrambles. And it should. Yeah. Look,
0: if you're gonna hit a 35 foot bomb without getting set up, probably like one handed, you deserve it. Why? Why not? I mean, yeah. who cares? At that you, point? Of course,
1: if it's charity, of course. Yes,
0: it, it doesn't matter. Now, at that for point.
1: the for the big money scramble games, the big money four man scramble games, you will always see. Uh, two teams per hole, so eight people total. You'll see two teams to keep each other in check for the four-man scrambles for the, big money ones. for the big money ones, of course.
0: It does make sense, but either way, I mean, we, this is just, we've had unbelievable weather. I'm going to so, play as long as humanly possible. I mean, I know we have some golf on the schedule here over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully the weather holds. What, what is your, what's your cutoff? Like, well, is there a certain temperature where you're just like, I, I yeah. have no interest in being out there?
1: Once it gets below 50, for sure. I, I I I mean I know you've played in December before I have
0: too. You but that's gotta, when it's unseasonably
1: warm. Yeah, it's like I, I played I played uh, at Cattails the day after Christmas last year. It was remarkable. Well, it was warm. And, yeah. yeah, it was. And and you played, you got your hole-in-one in December, I believe. I've never heard about that. But yeah,
0: some people like to discredit it because it happened in December. But yeah. Anyway. Well,
1: and that's, so basically if, if it's under like 50 degrees, I don't really find that too enjoyable a lot of the times where it's
0: just so cold. And the sun has to be out. The
1: sun has to be out. Yeah. There's, you know, the wind could be blowing and there's tons of leaves, of course, in fall golf. Although we've learned on the Metro Detroit golfers community that there are, which, I've never even heard of this, but people were literally posting on MDGs saying that they bring portable leaf blowers to the golf course to blow the leaves away as they're looking for their golf ball, which part of me doesn't even think that's real.
0: I believe it's real. I 100% <laughs> think a, that's real. Bringing
1: a leaf blower to it the makes,
0: golf course? I mean, look, I wouldn't do it because I, I would be royally made fun of just like you're making fun of that individual right now, but it would make it easier. You know, if you're putting on that green and there's just leaves everywhere and you want to give yourself the perfect pathway, you know, to the hole, why not? That's crazy. (laughs) A little bit absurd. But either way, hopefully we can get another couple weeks, maybe a month, you know, before we got to really power it down.
1: We we do have some golf coming up here with uh, D. Hall as well that should be on the calendar.
0: There's no doubt about that. Our uh, good friends over at Hall Financial and uh, actually – We haven't been able to play with D. Hall this year, so it'll be interesting to see where his game is at. I'm sure it's top-notch like always. I'm sure it's top-notch, and look, we have to have our games top-notch to be able to play with D. Hall, okay? You know, we got to be competitive with that little three-point game. But either way, an unbelievable partnership and friendship over the years with our our, our friends over at Hall Financial. Uh, D. Hall and the entire team, Mark, Chris, Emma— just do an unbelievable job of taking care of you, whether you're refinancing, whether you're purchasing your first home, whatever it is. They're going to take great care and get you an unbelievable rate.
1: And I think that, you know, I, I say this often, but it's just it's true, guys. At the very least, go to HallMDG.com and check out what they got in there. It's specific for golfers. They want to help golfers. So visit that website that they created specifically for Metro Detroit golfers and for this podcast, that's www.hallmdg.com. And again, Hall Financial has been a incredible partner. And as you said, Kyle, friends for us.
0: Well, speaking of David Hall, a member at Detroit Golf Club, the Detroit Golf Club now has a PGA Tour event, an annual event. Uh, We are heading into the third season, a couple of very successful years. Uh, The first year, of course, uh, was an incredible story. Nate Lashley uh, winning the tournament, and then we had Bryson DeChambeau getting the win this past year, and it is turning into a great event. I'm hopeful that we can have... Full fan, just load that place up, you know, for this upcoming summer. But we had a chance to sit down with the executive director of that PGA Tour event, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, uh, at Detroit Golf Club. And we talked about a plethora of things, including how the first couple of years have gone, some of the charitable endeavors that have taken place in helping Detroit, certainly in spending money and raising money, and a little bit of a look ahead to next year as they begin the recruiting process, trying to get as many tour players here and trying to essentially put the event on with all the unknowns as to whether or not there will be fans.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how much work goes into putting on a PGA Tour event, and that was kind of the thing that we wanted to talk about and, and really... Get an idea for how recruiting works. And of course, you know, I got to ask my questions. Can I get a firm commitment that Bryson's going to be there next year? Can I get a commitment that Tiger Woods is going to be there next year? I was just about to ask that. Oh, yeah. So uh, take a listen to this interview with Jason Langwell. We thank him. We thank Greg Ball. And we thank the entire team over there and and the guys that are responsible for putting on the Rocket Mortgage Classic. They do just a, a tremendous job bringing this PGA Tour event to Detroit. So take a listen to the interview with Jason Langwell at Detroit Golf Club.
0: Here inside the historic Detroit Golf Club in the heart of Detroit, uh, very excited to be here with the Executive Director of the Rocket Mortgage Classic, uh, Mr. Jason Langwell. Jason, uh, we appreciate you sitting down with us. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the relationship that you guys have had with the Rocket Mortgage Classic, being here at Detroit Golf Club in its first two years has been absolutely huge. And I know that's a big part of what you guys are trying to accomplish, not only, you know, so far, but moving forward.
2: Yeah, I know it absolutely is. When you think about kind of go back a couple of years when there was nothing. And I mean, they told us when we did it in year one that we needed about 18 to 24 months to pull it together. And we had 11 and to kind of not only get to the finish line, but run through the tape like we did as a community. And and then to go into year two um, and, you know just a couple months before our event kind of the onset of covid and and to to actually sit down as a team i mean i remember sitting down with that group thinking hey how are we going to pull this off and ultimately it was jay farner who decided and said look we're, we're if we're going to do this in year two we're going to either we're going to do it safely and we're going to find a way to impact the outcome in detroit yep. in an even more significant way that we somehow did in year one um, and that's when we launched our Changing the Course initiative and, and, and rallied the community led by Rocket Mortgage to ultimately figure out a way to raise what was $2.7 million for um, the, the city of Detroit and some incredible nonprofits in our Changing the Course initiative.
1: Well, and that right there, you said the word community, right? And we talk about this at length all the time. With Part of the reason why we launched Metro Detroit Golfers as well is because this is such a huge golf state, mm-hmm. and, and I think that the appetite for golf here is just massive. And I think that the first two years of this tournament has proven that people want and will continue to support something like this. And you mentioned all the, all the charitable work, you know, I, I think that a lot of people have noticed that throughout the city, I know that one of the big initiatives, I'm paraphrasing here, but was, was providing internet access yeah. for a lot of, uh, you know, people in Detroit who unfortunately can't have that. So i think there's been a lot of real tangible good work that's been done outside of just hey a tournament's here that's great this is awesome let's go watch this is fun and it it is great but to also see it benefit detroit too i think that's awesome
2: yeah no i mean i think this this event kind of the momentum started with fans of golf and then it, it was kind of propelled to the level of success it is now because of the fans of detroit which you know fans of golf is a subset of and and that's uh You know, everyone kind of got behind that rallying cry, all the things that have happened downtown, and then having this event, you know, take place in the city limits, the first ever PGA Tour event in Detroit. It was truly special, and it's been, you know, I think that's why it's so successful right now, is that it's turned into more than just a golf tournament how important was that
1: that, that it, it was in the city limits i mean there's so many golf courses around metro detroit and around michigan but was that was that a huge priority that this needs to be in detroit part of the reason
2: why it's a significant DGT? priority i mean it was the number one priority basically you know and i mentioned dan's vision and jay bringing that vision to life with the rocket mortgage team that was one of the requirements out of the gate it wow, was say okay. hey, we've got to find a way to do this in our city. And, and yeah, there are some wonderful golf courses in the area, and it's nothing against them. It's like, we're going to figure out a way to do this right. The right way to do it is do it in the city, have it benefit the city of Detroit and its residents. And that's just, you know, every PGA Tour event ultimately is an extension of their title partner and their culture and what they're all about. And, uh, and this event was going to be the same thing for them.
0: Well, and, and really, the first two years couldn't have worked out better from a storyline standpoint. I, I mean, year one, yeah. Nate Lashley, you know, who had just battled for so many years and is finally able to get a victory. You know, even though he won by too much on Sunday, unfortunately, he had to you qualify
1: know, we, up at the orchards yeah, too. How cool exactly? That? Yeah. yeah, an, an yeah.
0: incredible story. There's no doubt to tell on television. Mm-hmm. And then this year. Bryson DeChambeau has been in the, in headlines. He's been, you know, all over the place, wins the Rocket uh, Mortgage Classic, and then goes on to win the U.S. Open the same year. I mean, that's that's unbelievable for, for this event moving forward.
1: DeChambeau yeah. and Wolf down the stretch. Yeah, exactly. It was, was just I,
0: great. It was. It was. We were – I was
2: you know, texting with Mike Tirico when he was there at the U.S. Open in the booth, and he's like, we essentially have got coming into Sunday here – at the U.S. Open, we had the same story, <laughs> and, and unfortunately for Matthew, the same the same outcome. But I mean, talk about an unbelievable player, and and someone who you know is going to win a lot of majors and hopefully a lot of Rocket Mortgage Classics. But yeah, it was great to have Bryson win it. I mean, he's he's been unbelievable, and to have him as our champion, and the, you know, he came in just a couple of weeks before the U.S. Open. He came back just here a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah just a few right. weeks ago, he came into back into town for an event that we were doing a fundraising event, and. Had a great time here, and uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the golf course. He wanted had a few pieces of advice, and I'm like, "Well, we, have, we think we got it set up pretty well for you right now." <laughs> uh, but and then for him to go on and win, and I had a chance to to speak with him, he's he's excited, and he said, "Look, that win here in Detroit propelled him, and kind of gave him the validation. It was you know he was so close, right? And he just got he had to get over the hump, and he got over the hump here and." It took him to that next level, which he obviously found at Wingfoot.
1: We had T.J. Lang and Darren McCarty on this oh. show as well, who both played in the event a few weeks ago, and they're yeah. talking about meeting Bryson and just how the type of guy he is and whatnot. And I was going to ask you now: yeah. it, it, Are you required? Are you the guy that has to have Bryson's milkshakes here that are exactly <laughs> laid out? I, I think you gre- didn't you greet him when he when he right when he well, won this year, right? Yeah, you know, we
2: did this with with all of our champions, right? You, you call their manager, their agent, say, "Hey, what's the celebratory drink?" You know, yeah. they pulled this off, and when he once he got on eighteen tea you know we figured we weren't gonna it wasn't a pre-call you know we weren't gonna you know call it before it lipped out and uh i called brett falcoff as manager and uh, i said what's a celebratory drink and he's like chocolate milk <laughs> and I was like, all right well and so we i tell you it wasn't incredibly easy to find we had a lot of things we could have found around detroit golf club at that time finding chocolate milk was not incredibly easy but we found it and uh, yeah I greeted him when he came off and had a little toast and uh uh, that, the conversation I had with him after he won the U.S. Open, uh, I'd, I'd send him a, a text with a picture of, of chocolate milk, and he did. He had a celebratory chocolate milk. You, you should
0: add that milk. to your uh, your social media bio, you know, handed Bryson DeChambeau chocolate milk after <laughs> right, winning a exactly. pocket mortgage class. I, that's we, huge. Right, yeah, yeah, come we on. need a
2: sponsor. We need to call <laughs> Nesquik or somebody.
0: Or Guernsey. Keep it local. Absolutely. There there dairy, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah,
1: Guernsey would be great. Um I want to m- mention that as well because I think it's fascinating, Jason, to, to learn about you talk about your relationship with Bryson and text them. And, and by the way, before we recorded this, you know, Jason was on the phone with you know ten different people, busy, busy guy. <laughs> and how is that from your perspective, with? Talk about recruiting and what your role is, that 30,000-foot view of what your role is for being a part of recruiting players to, to come to Detroit. I think, I think our listeners would be fascinated to hear that process.
2: Yeah, no, I think the part of the role um, is, uh, and it's a team that does it. It's myself, uh, Bill Emerson, who's on the board of the Rocket Giving Fund, Mike Tarico. We're kind of a part of the subcommittee of the board that's a part of player recruiting. Tariqo's the best. Uh, he's fantastic. He? Oh, Unbelievable a nice guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Casey, Casey Herb is the CMO for Rocket, participates as well. We go out um, and we'll hit uh, probably somewhere between seven and eight PGA Tour events from the off, throughout the offseason. Mm. And we're really there to go in. And we call it recruiting, but we're really there just telling our story. And, you know, these guys have 20 to 25 places they're going to call their home for one sure. week a year. Once you go through the majors, the World Golf Championships, they're going to play a couple in Florida, they're going to play a couple out west. You know, uh, they're gonna play in Texas once probably. You know, you're down to, you know, a handful of homes uh, that they, and spots they gotta fill in their calendar. And so that recruiting process to go out and tell the story of Detroit that we got a great day, we got a great golf course, we got a great community, got a great experience, the experience we, we sell big. Um, the stuff we did for caddies and continue to do for caddies and putting them up in the locker room and taking really good care of them is something we think we do uh, better than uh, any other event on tour. Uh, you know, so those are the things you kind of do as a part of the recruiting process. And and then the golf course is ultimately the, the ultimate tell. Um, that's their workplace. That's their big decision, and they love playing an old classic Donald Ross golf course. And so that's almost the easy part is to tell them about the golf course. But what's been fun about it is to so see you go from year one to kind of put ourselves on the map uh, to having the, this group of people, myself and the other guys, go out and actually talk about. You know, they they give feedback on the golf course, and they've kind of turned every. every turns out, every professional, every golfer is a designer. You know,
0: <laughs> right. on, on the side, right? Everyone has their advice. Everyone right? has yeah. their <laughs> advice, and so
2: we've gotten some great advice. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you: Patrick Reed, uh, Charles Howell, um, you know, Bryson, of course, Nate Lashley, our champion. You know, will pick up the phone proactively or proactively reach out and say, I had a thought," you know, about what we wow. could do out on on the seven. And I would tell you that that's one thing that a lot of people don't know. I mean. You talk about Patrick. Um, he's been one of the guys who's probably been the most proactive in reaching out. Um, he likes the golf course. Um, he, you know, he missed the cut last year, right. and but you know he felt like the reason that happens because we got the rough right. You know, we took it up, uh, and and everyone pretty much said we fought, we got the the length right, but not to take it up too much more. Um, there be, just becomes a point where how many inches was the rough this year? So we took it up over to four. I okay. took it up just, just over. It, it was it was thick. Mm-hmm. It was really And, and, and I can thick.
0: speak to this personally. I played it like two weeks before the event, and it was already – you couldn't <laughs> couldn't see your ball. With Donnie you know, right? I, I actually played, played well, yeah, yeah, with Donnie, yeah. who was able to, to qualify and get in and that play was great. as well. Yeah.
2: Around the greens is where it makes the difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, any of the guys will tell you the feedback that we've gotten is you can grow the rough up. And we saw it at the U.S. Open. You can grow up as long as you want. If you don't close the mouths of the greens and put bunkers in something where you can't chase it up, we're just going to take an 8-iron instead of a 9-iron and chase it right up the gut. Mm-hmm. So where it makes a difference, and this is what Patrick said when he walked off, we are walking back to the car uh, as he was heading out of town on, on, uh, on Friday, and said the reason I'm not here, I hit the same this year as I did last year, the reason I'm not here this weekend is you know, a few of those shots are on the green. Last year i you know, kick them up there 3, 4 feet, and this year I was 10 feet and missed it. Mm. Yeah, I did that a handful of times, and I missed the cut by a shot versus making it by a couple of shots. So that that's the big difference ultimately, and that's what I think over time. Especially if we can pick up some wind um, here, we've not had any wind over the f- first couple of years. If we can pick up some breeze, that I think we'll see a lot more of the of the guys end up in that rough around the greens, and um, I think that'll impact scoring well, a little bit.
1: And ob- that's well, scoring obviously. If there is one criticism, and, and I don't think it's you know, uh, personally, I don't think it's a huge criticism, but we know that exists, is that the course is too easy, that the scores are, are way too low, even though when you look at the averages on tour, they really aren't. Um, but I think that also fans love watching birdies. I think pros love making birdies. And I think that the course with how it's been set up, with even if you were to play it straight up, how, how when I played it a few weeks ago, and I've played it several times, but how different it plays with the pros, um, certainly the, the back nine will play in sequence, but the front nine is so much different Using number one from the south and whatnot, uh, so I think yeah. that that what's been done with the course has yes, they all they, there's a lot of birdies out there, but I don't think that should be really a criticism. Well, no, I mean,
2: the players like how it's set up. We could, and this is a golf audience here, so I tell you that we could fiddle with par like many other events do. Go to 70. Go to yeah. 70. Mm-hmm. You take eight sure. shots out, sure, like that, yeah. sure. You know, right. and look at, and, and that's what everyone else does on tour they're 70 71 you take six to eight shots out of year one you know and year two and now it's people just have to do the math i mean the reason the scores are where they're at is that we offer an additional opportunity with a par five over the course of four days if not two to keep it uh we have two par fives that we could turn into par fours but we made a conscious effort um, Mm. not to do that and we could do that um, but we like where it's at right now Good. we think it's a great test and you know i think the things that we're looking to do over time is uh you know firm and fast is how they like it if we we're gonna look to continue i mean the guys here to try golf club are unbelievable um that this crew's got an, an amazing staff um that puts together a great golf course but we can firm it up a little bit the fairways that you have you almost don't have to bring them in too much because firmer fairways are smaller fairways because they have the ability to run out of them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, especially with some of the dog legs that are out here so we can firm that up a little bit um and i think this is gonna be adjustment you're gonna see on on the pga tour personally this is one man's opinion i think on the pga tour as a whole and in majors as a whole what you're going to see is fairways widened off the tee and narrowed as you approach the green Mm. because when you think about what happened at wingfoot because when you look at the scoreboard, like you had, you know, Will and some of these other, Zach Johnson guys that are not bombers. But I'll tell you right now, if you go back and look at the statistics and that, if you were to have kept the fairways wider and allowed them to have more irons in their hands instead of hitting irons in from the rough and narrowed it up at the mm-hmm. front, that would have been an equalizer. Yeah. Because when you get some of these guys to get rolling, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at Sergio hitting it, whatever, you know, 18 inches <laughs> sure. from whatever. one. Of, I mean, when they're moving, like – it doesn't matter if they've got a clean patch of grass to hit off of from a fairway and Bryson's up there a hundred yards further and he's in the rough, they're a hundred yards out with an iron play in their game. It's not a big difference. And I think that it's just my opinion. I think that's one of the ways that everyone's like, Oh, you know, Bryson's breaking golf and how do you, you know, distance and that. Look, I love I, what he's doing. I do too. But I think those are the adjustments. What are the adjustments mm-hmm. that, I mean, we're not going to make a ton of adjustments here. Um, we really like what we have and we're, players are finishing and i think we get a little wind and firm it up a little bit where the uh, greens
1: roll at stamp on there uh 12 and you
2: know 12 and you you know you've got a couple of places out here 18 oh yeah um you got a couple places where you you know and it's true of any donald ross golf course you just there's a place where you cannot oh yeah mm -hmm. especially yeah (laughs) yeah, you just you know you don't want to have one of those moments where you know just you can't get it to stop Mm -hmm. um ever and uh so but yeah, we, uh, we've got we've got a really great setup here, and it's going to make for a great 21.
0: The, the goal, obviously, and what well, perfect transition right there. It's like you've done this a million times before, but, you know, you want to continue to improve and, and yeah. continue to get better. So I guess looking to, you know, the third year of the tournament, do you like the setup, you know, the date, where it's going to be in between majors? I guess have you guys thought about that and maybe what, you know, some of the things you guys want to accomplish next year?
2: Yeah, I mean, our comp, you know things we want to accomplish next year, uh, we're putting together a strong plan for from a hospital. We want to get fans back. Right? Oh, yeah. we, all, we all do. And I want to come back. Yeah, I <laughs> know, right? Uh, Any indication,
1: so, it, even right now, I, I think the tour is kind of hinting at maybe they'll start mm-hmm. allowing fans back, but that's still yeah. a, a year away.
2: Yeah, no, it looks like, you know, right now the tour has brought Pro-Am back. So Sanderson Farms was actually the first pro official okay. Pro-Am that was back, and mm-hmm. that went really well. Uh, so as, you're going to see events continue to build up. We're planning to have a pro-am, um, if, if not multiple pro-ams. We're, uh, we're also looking at hospitality. We're Right now, the quarter one events are planning on some type of private hospitality, maybe eliminating okay. or minimizing the shared product that tends to create more of a gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, but our plan right now is for – and you have to build a plan, right? Um, our plan right now is to do private hospitality, open air, spacious, a little bit bigger to allow for social distancing. Uh, we're building a plan that can allow for you know, uh, you know, up to 5,000 fans a day. We're gonna work with local and state officials, as always, to find out what the world looks like at that time. Can mm-hmm. it be more, can it be less? But we're building a plan for five. Great. Um, and then, you, you gotta have a plan to adjust. Just like last year, we adjusted off of kind of a baseline. Um, we're, we're creating that new baseline, but we're really excited. I think, look, we had you know, an amazing opening year that you would consider a little bit more normal. Uh, we had um, a very different year two that was incredible in terms of the giving that it created. And I would tell you, you know, heading into year three, we're excited because if we had had a more normal year two from a fan standpoint, I'm not sure this event would be known for what it should be known for, and that's to change the course and then the digital divide. And yeah. because there was so much focus, because that was the focus in year two, from the brand of this event, for what Rocket Mortgage and and the team has done to build it, it really worked out well, creating an amazing Experience on the golf course and around the golf course in year one that's all about the fan experience. Build that charitable giving story, be more than just a golf tournament in year two. And then as you come into year three, everyone knows. Um, everything the event can be.
1: And there would have been, this past summer, there would have been massive crowds. Would for, have been nuts. For Bryson down the stretch. Mm-hmm. That would have just been, because yeah. that was the first, you know, even from a social media perspective, everyone was, oh yeah. my God, look how long Bryson's hit. This is incredible. Polarizing, you know I
0: mean? whether you like him or not. Yeah. What was yeah. it on
1: 13 when he when he waited and said, well, why don't you go first? I'm going to try to get, I mean, the stuff he was doing was just awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, and I think that that's just fascinating where, is I, One thing I would ask, too, is in terms of commitments, when do those guys commit to next year? Is someone like Bryson, who you'd, I would assume he's going to be back next year since he won it, um, it, Does do commitments just roll in throughout the year? Or? They
2: roll in throughout the year. Most of them, uh, the Masters, is uh, when the Masters normally is played in April, is uh, our trigger point typically. That's when a lot of the players will know – how they're handling the decision for us in many events is well, what do you do between the majors? Yeah. And that's the decision point for us in the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So they're going to, uh, that's about the time we have a pretty good field. Bryson, you know, has always defended his titles, so we would expect him to continue to do so. Most players, as a matter of practice, defend their titles. Right. Um, you know, obviously, with, with Ricky, you know, we know Patrick really likes you. None of these have formally committed, Fino, right? yeah. You know, Finov loved it. He had a great trip up here first time around. So, you know, I think we've got a really solid base to build from. Um, and anymore, that's what you're seeing each and every week. You're seeing a handful of guys, and that's really the decision-making process for for the players with us is, you know, we like the fact that it's a West Coast U.S. Open um, because we – we think that in encourages you know, players to kind of build their schedule. Like, okay, I'm out west, do I take a week off? Do I play travelers? Do I then come in here, get one more in before heading across the pond to the Open Championship? Yep. That's the decision. Mm-hmm. That's the that's decision that, that they have to make. And a lot of it will be determined how they play out in California up through. You wake up after the Masters, and you're like, all right, where do I sit in FedEx Cup? What do I need to add? Do I, am I doing really well? Can I take a few off? that's when you got be really good field. I
1: think one of the really uh, we mentioned Donnie Trosper earlier I think one of the the just really interesting storylines from last year that kind of went unnoticed was with COVID with Cameron Champ right he was talking about a late addition to the field because yeah. if you want to describe how that went down I think it was Cameron Champ had tested positive for COVID mm-hmm. and then basically had to test negative a few times point my point is he got in last minute correct right. and then correct. played with Donnie Trosper how, how did something like that go with uh with with that whole situation
2: well, it was really interesting to have 157 players in the field, um, yeah. you know, and so we, uh, you know, you normally get 156 for uh, a field like ours <laughs> for, for an event like this, and to, to have him added late was great, um, but it was a little bit of an adjustment, and but we were happy to have him, and I know he was happy to come back because he had a great trip. The, Cameron had a great trip the first year, and you um, had 20, I think eight or nine on the front. Um, yeah, first year. right. So he was he excited. Got he got, he went and got rolling mm-hmm. big time, and he can. Out here, as long as he hits it, um, so it's great to have him back and added to the field. And yeah, he ends up getting paired up with, you know, and playing with Donnie. And um, it was, it was just really unique. It came yeah. together really quickly, and it's just a sign of uh, kind of what every event kind of goes through. There's all these last minute adjustments oh, yeah. and and changes and pivots, but. We were really ha- that was one that we were really happy about to get to you know it's important for him to be in this field especially for what we as an event stand for about the diversity and inclusion that we've won awards in that regard absolutely it's important for us to have a representative field and having Harold and, and Cameron here was really important to us.
1: He had Phil Mickelson committed obviously COVID threw a wrench yeah. in that but that would have been really cool too.
2: It did it would have been nice and I, and we're hopefully he'll be back I mean he was really wanting to come back he's got some experience here having had past relationships with Ford and been in town and played in events over at Country Club of Detroit a number of times so he was. Bummed to not be able to make it uh, but we're hopeful and uh he's he's one of the guys that you know hears from us every time we go out and make <laughs> stops and we're kind of eyeing where phil's going and and kind of making sure we're going out and, and making that a recruiting stop with tiger as schedule. well
0: right You're tiger as well yeah that's exactly. gotta be the biggest question you get right there well, yeah no outside of
2: free tickets uh yeah. Yeah, free tickets yeah. is uh you know what's what's going on with tiger and and look we've um we're hopeful to get him at this point he's obviously limiting his schedule mm-hmm. uh, it's the you know the point with him where you know my, is he even playing in and world golf championship events um so you know we remain hopeful and optimistic i mean he's he's we've had a great relationship with him in the past obviously having titles uh, rocket mortgage having title sponsored his event in dc and uh, bill emerson and, and and jay farner and team built a relationship up with him and keep in touch with him and we typically will go out and sit down and have a conversation with him and and uh, at farmers which he tends to play in um and so uh normally we've gone down to hero uh his event Uh, i'm not sure if that's happening i think that's still being figured out but uh but yeah we definitely have our our mind on, on tiger and where he's going and Make sure he knows he's got. Uh, we got a locker for him and a spot for him in the event.
0: Uh, of course, and people that would flock, of course, to, sure. to look, see him.
1: Look at the Buick Open. There were just massive. Nuts.
0: It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was we, we thought it would have been pure torture if this past year fans wouldn't have been allowed, but Tiger would have been a late edition. Rocket Mortgage know, Classic yeah. that would have sucked. Yes, it would. Have.
2: Yeah, we would have loved to have had him, uh, but uh, that would really would have been
0: unfortunate. Yeah, reality. for fans, so, for it sure. Is,
1: it is just amazing to me talking to you, though, how much. I don't think people realize how much work goes into putting on a tournament like this year round, right? You're talking about several different areas in terms of anywhere from hospitality to fans to caddies to recruiting players to design to course changes and in actual, um, you know, growing out the rough. There's so many different details and so many different areas that go into uh, putting on an event like this. It's remarkable. Yeah, the volunteer side of things. Sure. And, and the I mean, charity it's just- side of thing. Everything.
2: No, and it's, it's amazing how many people, too. Like, we've got a tournament team does a great job, sales, marketing, operations. But, I mean, we spent, there's an extended team that works on this at Rocket Mortgage. I see, you know, Laura Graneman here out in the hallway, actually, uh, who runs their, their giving initiatives um, And I, for, for Rocket Mortgage. Uh, and there's so many people that touch this. I mean, over 2,000 volunteers, a number of which are actually from our title sponsor in Detroit Golf Club here. Uh, it takes it truly takes a village. It takes a city to do it and every single person in the submit city came together over the course of the last year um, And stepped up and stepped in and, and found a way to impact the outcome and so to get to where we got to um, Was for me I get chills talking about it. It was it was it was the greatest team effort that I've been a part of. It wasn't year one. I said that after year one and it, it blew it away. Um, even though we were only twice as much on charity in year two, it was ten times the team effort.
1: The volunteer effort too we had even in our Metro Detroit golfers community we had several people posting in there about uh, you know some some photo some of the volunteers posting from there since the fans couldn't really right. get access and it was <laughs> great. And we've heard from so many different volunteers and so many people on uh, M D G that have just said great things about the tournament it's awesome
2: yeah no thanks it's been an incredible incredible experience i mean we're yeah. we're fortunate to have it um and, and we were fortunate to even have the event this year you know so many events got canceled and to even just make the decision to to have it was something that uh you know i know that the rocket mortgage and, and the rocket giving fund board didn't take lightly but thank goodness we did
0: uh last one for me and just doing a little bit of research before we were able to sit down with you um Pretty good golfer in your own right, two time all American golfer in the state of Wisconsin as a college player. Uh and we talked about this actually recently with TJ Lang. you played for the Packers, yeah. he was in Wisconsin with golf there. Similarities between Wisconsin golf and Michigan golf, because I'm sure you played a ton throughout the state of oh, Wisconsin yeah. as well. A
2: ton, a ton in college. I did I'm from Michigan but played um some college golf up there at Carthage College. Um yeah, I mean similarities are is that, you know, when you got the golf hitch like all of us do, you end up playing in really cold weather early in the year and late in the year and then trying to make up for it in the summer. You know, the challenge with the tournament is, you know, I don't, I won't get a chance to play much until That's July your busy 4th time. weekend. Trying yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try to make up for it in the back end of that. But, but yeah, it's great. I mean, there's, there's a number of classic Donald Ross tracks and, um, you know, it's, it's a similar type experience up there, but yeah, no, I, you know, I get a chance to play. I was really fortunate growing up, and uh, I had a chance to play a lot of golf down at Coldwater Country Club where I grew up in, in southern Michigan. Oh, great. And they have a great junior golf program down there, a guy named Raleigh Freisinger started an amazing statewide junior golf program and uh, kind of I got see your name
1: overall I've been to several different clubs around here and I've seen your name on, on various boards so yeah you're I know he's a good golfer maybe you should be I think Jason should be uh if, for those familiar with like Jeff Knox at Augusta right he should be <laughs> yeah. the marker at the Rocket Mortgage Classic if you ever need someone last minute to fill in with the pro just call Jason uh, can, I don't know uh, about that play.
2: I'm definitely an amateur but uh, <laughs> that's why that's why I decided to be in the business side of golf not not play it myself, but sh- which is a, a true privilege to do that.
0: Well, Jason, we appreciate you uh, sitting down with us. Obviously, a lot more to come. We look forward to year three of the Rocket Mortgage Classic and everything you guys are going to be doing here and in the community and, uh, and in Detroit.
2: Yeah, Thanks. no, I appreciate your support, all of your listeners and your fans. Uh, you can't do it without them, so we thank them and thank you. Thank you, Jason. You got it. Yeah.
0: Well, again, a special thank you to Jason Langwell, the executive director of wonderful pga tour event here in detroit look forward to uh year three at the uh the rocket out of detroit golf club can't wait to see what they do Uh, With the course, because uh, as you heard there, uh, apparently they're constantly getting uh, suggestions about how they can improve and enhance uh, the course here moving forward. But uh, great to sit down and chat with them uh, and look forward to seeing what happens moving forward.
1: Yeah, thank you to Jason Langwell, to Greg Ball, to Kevin Gregory. I think they're really just helpful. And, And honestly, you know, guys, we've had a lot of behind the scenes discussions with them about... Doing some cool things for Metro Detroit golfers and really uh, giving some some opportunities at the Rocket Classic to have MDG members be involved. I'm not going to give too much away, but as always, if you want to be first to know about that stuff, text MDG to 545454. The text list has been getting big. It's awesome to directly connect with people that way. And as always, Kyle, as well, we have some limited merchandise on sale right now at metrodetroitgolfers.com. You can find some Detroit golf merchandise on sale. Really cool stuff. But no, I agree, Kyle. It's awesome uh, having this event here. We certainly are in discussions to, to be doing some more cool interviews with players. So it's been great.
0: You know, and, and honestly, just to kind of, you know, wrap this up, you, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Bryson and DeChambeau and how hard he's swinging and everything that he's doing, uh, with his entire body. And all I can think about when I see him swing the golf club is, is me in
1: a scramble with how I swing. Is that what definitely you're definitely
0: not? Nope. <laughs> there, there's, there's absolutely zero doubt about that, but it is how much his body has to go through to be able to compete on a weekend week out basis. I seriously wonder about our friends at TriCovery and if he's doing something very, very similar because you know our friends Jeff and Kevin over at TriCovery Massage and Flexibility are really doing a great job of getting into the golf game and working with Metro Detroit golfers. They're trying to create, in fact, they are in the process of creating a specific program for Metro Detroit golfers and your bodies because let's be honest, we're not incredible athletes. We're not pro athletes. Speak for yourself, okay? I, I'm sorry. You played Division three college football. Two. My bad. Division two, I, one year, yeah. That makes a huge difference. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Tri-Covery is really trying to cater to the golfer out there and making sure that we're getting our bodies to the point where we don't have to be in pain. We can swing freely and just go out there and have some fun.
1: T-R-I-Covery.com. Make sure you check it out. I know they've gotten several inquiries lately from from MDG community members and listeners about that golf package. So make sure you check it out and guys they work with, you know, we were not allowed to mention the names, but they work with, believe me, a ton of pro athletes and names that you recognize. They do a great job with their entire uh, massage and flexibility program. And thank you to Tricovery for all that they've done of supporting MDG.
0: And specifically with Kevin and Jeff, they have been unbelievable in getting my shoulder blade back to almost normal, where I can swing fully and get through the ball. That just, it's changed my golf game. It really has.
1: Absolutely. Now, Kyle, I know I mentioned the text list, uh, certainly following MDG on social media and subscribing to the podcast, but we also have another announcement in terms of MDG and social media.
0: Yeah, we have expanded our social media presence uh, here in Metro Detroit. We now have a Metro Detroit golfer's Twitter account, and we're really excited about that. I know there's a lot of people in the golf community uh, that (laughs) are very active on Twitter. So uh, we are uh, the Metro Detroit golfer's Twitter handle. It's actually at md golfers at MD golfers. If you want to go ahead uh, and and give it a follow, we're going to have all of our content on there. If you're, you know, look, there's some people who love Instagram the most. Some people love Facebook the most Twitter obviously is one of those mediums as well. So we want to make sure that we are delivering the content and and being able to, you know, keep up with it on every single social platform. So please give us a follow on Twitter as well.
1: Thank you guys for listening. And as always, you know, I say that it sounds cliche because it is, but please send this to your friends Make sure you invite friends to the page, invite friends to the social media platforms, and encourage your friends to get on the text list as well. This is a community. The only way it continues to grow is if we all participate and grow it together. So thank you for listening Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. We'll talk to you soon with some more great interviews and more great content coming up.
0: Thanks for listening to the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and keep giving Shelley and Bogey a hard time. Powered by our presenting sponsor, Hall Financial, and also tri-covery Massage and Flexibility. <clears throat>